0: To build real financial abundance and prosperity, it doesn't happen by accident. Those of us that have, that have built it and have it have done so with a lot of intention, with a lot of all the stuff that we've talked about on the program.
1: Welcome back, Wealthy Women, to Women Creating Wealth. We are so happy that you're with us today. And you are going to be so glad you tuned in because we have Christina Weiss with us today. She is, she's a wise woman. And she is a real estate mogul. She's a millionaire coach. And she is a creator of several multi-million dollar businesses. Christina, thank you for being with us today.
0: I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for the invite. So
1: Christina, I know that you are, one of your many hats is that you're a very successful real estate investor. And I know one of the questions that people have when they're just trying to get started in investing and they're a little nervous, but they know they want to do it is... How do I know when I have enough money to actually invest some of it into something like this, which could potentially need to be fixed up, right? It could be when you buy an actual piece of property compared to a piece of stock. You don't necessarily know how much is going to be involved in the project. How can, I, how can people feel comfortable that they're good to go there? That
0: goes off the, the question that you and I talked off a little bit offline is the, the question is how much money is enough? And the reason why I always start there is because how much money is enough is really a philosophical question that I think is always a good starting place when we're in this financial or money dialogue. When we start thinking about money differently to start inquiring about wealth and and these things, that's the first question we want to answer, ask and a lot because it reverse engineers into what ultimately will be our investing strategy so to start just by investing strategy without it being attached to a bigger picture sometimes can get us off track pretty easily so first thing with how much money is enough overall means how much does it cost to live our good life today and it's really important to know that is it a hundred thousand two hundred two fifty three hundred fifty but each one of us needs to know is how much money is enough to live our quality of life that we want to live. The second piece to that is how much money is enough that we need a net worth so that we can live off the income from those income producing assets. So we need to know that. And then those go back to inform how much money we need to earn or make to be able to have enough money to pay for our quality of life and have that extra money, like you said, how much money is enough we need in that investing bucket so that we can buy that piece of real estate. But that's where all these numbers are linked together. What I like to just share straight off the bat, and then I'll answer your question, is I like to say there's these three fundamental categories of money, and they're very distinct. And so we need to think of them very distinctly and know that we have to work with each of these categories just distinctly, but they're all integrated at the same time. So the first one is where we talk about our our present self household. So our present so self household means how much does it cost to, li- to pay the bills, right? So how much does it cost to live our life on an annual slash monthly basis? And is it, again, is it 5,000 a month, $10,000 a month, $20,000 a month? But how much does it cost to live our life today? And that's what I always say, that's step one for all of us, if we haven't done this work, is to answer that question. And so add up all your expenses for the full year and divide it by 12 and see where that is. And then let's just say it's $10,000 a month to keep the math easy. It cost us $120,000 a year to live. It's $10,000 a month. That just covers our expenses, our mortgage, our cars, our clothing, our food, our utilities, all the stuff. And then the, seg- the follow-up to that is, is that enough? Meaning is our quality of life where we want it to be? Or does it feel like we're making a lot of sacrifice or compromise in things we'd rather our life be because it's not quite enough? In that case, we need to figure out how much is enough. But let's just say we say like 10 grand a month is covering all our basis. If we win the lottery, great, we'd love to spend that money, but otherwise we're doing really well. But that's just to cover the expenses. That informs us that we need to earn $10,000 a month after taxes to be able to pay those bills. That goes back to how are we earning the money and are we earning enough? So say we're earning $10,000 and we're spending $10,000. And that's what I call the break even. Now, most, the reason why we do this work first is because if we're not creating a surplus, there will never be the money to be able to invest. So we need to know, like that's where we get to your question is, how much money do we need to invest on an annual basis to be able to build this net worth thing? Then if we say, let's do $48,000 a year, we've decided we need to invest $48,000 Dollars a year to be able to build this net worth. That means that. We need $12,000 a month after taxes, not $10,000 a month. So now we get to determine that we have a $2,000 a month income gap. So the first problem to solve is like, we need to earn more money or we need to decrease our expenses by $2,000. So that's always the starting place. So I like to start there because jumping into some of these other answer questions and answers, we never get there because we don't know these numbers and important to know beforehand. To, to your point is how much money do, how much money is enough to get invested in real estate? And the reason why that's a loaded question is because there's all different types of real estate to invest in, and there's all different types of ways to invest. So, if we're doing it traditionally, and I know you know this, um, probably most of your listeners, but the most common way people think about investing in real estate is like, let me go buy a rental property. And so, if we're buying a rental property, and that and we're going to do it traditionally again traditionally we're going to be looking at 15 to 20 percent down plus all the costs to buy the property which are usually going to be between two and five percent plus some reserves that you want to have and if there are repairs and things so there's there's lots of spreadsheets out there very simple spreadsheets you can pick up online or just go to google to help one determine this so that's it's it's typically pretty cash intensive. So what's difficult is the entry point with traditional real estate in this case is it's cash intensive. So you'd better be saving a lot of money. Probably looking at 25, 30% of the price of the house is that, but then to, but it doesn't, that's not required that you can get, you can do, look into seller financing. And there's many other types of unconventional ways to buy residential rental real estate and to be able to get in many times for for much less. But before that, it's like, do I want to be a real estate investor? Do I want to get good with numbers? Do I want to do these spreadsheets and these profit analysis and these analysis? And do I want to manage properties? Because that's the, that's the cost of investing in real estate that's outside of just the financial piece.
1: The good news is that there is a formula and that it is possible to figure out once you figure out, is this the type of real estate investor that I want to be? Would I rather do a REIT? Would I rather do, you know, hard money lending? Would I rather do some other, you know, syndication or some other type of real estate investing?
0: The normal way to think about this is there's this one way to do it. But when you, there's so, the reason why real estate is so great is that there's all different types of ways. Like you said, you, if you just want to go the stock market way and, and do a REIT, you can do that through, you can go to Vanguard and buy something right? there. That's exactly. I mean, very, Very low risk. You don't need to know much. They take your money. There's a second way, which uh, there are a lot of funds that we we can invest in. Meaning they're not public traded funds, but usually with a fund, a minimum entry point of a fund is fifty thousand dollars, but usually they're hundred thousand dollars. So to get into that game, you're looking at five to six, you know, fifty thousand to hundred thousand dollars minimum to get into a fund. And a fund basically is you're buying shares. And so if a, a fund means you have a fund manager that is going out for a capital raise and they say, hey, we want to buy this piece of real estate for $10 million. And so they're going, to, they're going to raise $10 million by investors like you and me that put in our 100 or 500 or however much we want. And then we own a percentage of that LLC of that fund based on the amount of money we put in. So, and then what they do with that once that property becomes cash flow pro- profitable, um, positive, then you can get some dividends. So you get, typically, you, the idea is you get your initial investment back. If it's that's usually the the promise of a lot of these funds, and then they have an exit, they sell the property, and then you get any type of return. So again, that's a nice way if you have cash and you want to invest in real estate, and you want to get some of the tax advantages from being invested in real estate. That's a great way to invest. And again, it's hands-off. You don't have to manage it. I love funds. I love funds because it's hands-off. I put it with people that I trust that have had really good um, historical performances. And then I get big returns every so years and I don't have to do a thing. So that's that piece. And a third piece is like buy a rental, piece, rental property and you can do it. Someone else manages it or you manage it. And I own a lot of rental real estate as well. So that's another piece. And then I, you know, so there's, again, the point there is there's so many different pieces, places to invest another place to invest. If you just like be in the bank is that, you know, there are a lot of um, investors that buy real estate and then they're not wanting to go to traditional financing. So they like to go to private investors. And so I do that too. Like I have, um, a couple real estate investors that when they buy a really great piece of real estate, they come to me to see if I wanna be the bank. And it's more like hard money returns where first they're gonna pay me, they don't wanna to go to traditional financing, but I might get three to four X the interest than I would get on other investments because it's a little bit higher risk. But again, I just like to invest my money. I love real estate. I, I understand how to look at their returns. And you know when they're successful, I get my payday, I get my money back in like six to 12 months and you can do that over and over. So the sky's the limit when it comes to real estate and you just really have to pick your poison and figure out which one is the one you want to pursue and get good at that.
1: What was your first real estate investment?
0: Uh, My first real estate investment was a, you know, I, I, so part of my backstory is I got out of college and ended up selling real estate and I made a really nice income. Hard worker, hustler, made lots of commissions, was like, was great at sales and, and made really good sales income. But at the end of every year, I was totally broke. And not only would it, you know, I'd make a high, you know, multi six figure income and get all these awards and medals around my neck by being, you know, top salesperson, but starting January, you know, December 31st, we did the award ceremony and I would be on stage with all the medals. January one, I was totally and like starting over. And it was several, like a handful of years of doing this. And it's just like constant hustle, constant hustle. And just thinking like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I need to go hustle more. I need to make more money. I need to sell more houses. And I really got stuck in that trap. And then ended up getting divorced. And I was the primary wage earner. Ugly divorce, fighting over the stupid thing called money and and all the stuff. And I wound up in a situation where, I mean, not only did I not have money, but because I was a primary wage earner, I had to pay child support. I got the Awarded with the privilege of paying all the back taxes that hadn't been paid Uh. and credit card debt. So here I was, 100% commission job, now a single mom, and I mean, I'm totally broke, no passive income, and like, how am I going to single mom and be in a 100% commission, 100% commission job? And it was, I mean, it was really financially ugly. Like we didn't have anything. We moved out of the big house in the suburbs this teeny tiny you know crappy part of town i mean i could tell a lot of story there and the only thing that even kept us alive for like six months after that was i had colleagues at work i was so ashamed and embarrassed because here i was the top salesperson yet i'm in a situation now where i basically have to take handouts to be able to put a roof over our head And so it's just, it was, I was just filled with so much shame and embarrassment, but mostly I thought, how did I wind up here? How did I make so much money? Am I, I'm in a situation where, where colleagues at work are pitching in to pay the utilities to pay um, the, they brought over groceries, they brought over blankets and furniture just so that Mm -hmm. we can survive. I mean, we were in that bad of shape and, you know, I was so lucky that I had peers and friends that were willing to do that, but. My goodness, there was so much embarrassment and shame that came out of that. But then the lesson there, when I kind of got over my pity party and realized the only way to dig myself out of this was I've got to, I had to figure a way out, I thought that there's got to be more to this money equation than meets the eye. Like, how did I make all that money? And I literally cannot afford to turn on the utilities. Like, I didn't have the deposit to turn on the utilities and it just got me thinking that there's got to be something more to this like i just can't hustle and sell more houses to keep this going on forever so like many of us i read this you know book called rich dad poor dad that got me started and the whole rich dad poor dad when he talked about the the quadrant which you know we can be employees self employed business or investors and i realized i was in that self employed box that I was just slinging more houses and, you know, um, but I would be stuck there forever. And so after reading that book, we're living in this really crappy apartment and, and um, again, just all that situation. But I read that book is kind of, I don't know, someone probably pointed it to me or something, but he talked about investing, talked about investing in real estate. And he didn't say how, he didn't say what to do, but he's just said that that was the way. And that's all I needed was just a different mindset and perspective and understanding that the way out of that trap is to be an investor and realize like, man, I help people buy houses. Why don't I buy houses? So my very first investment was um, I found this duplex and I, again, I had no money and I'm just telling the story because, you know, if you think traditionally I have to have all this money to get started, but I had no money, but I found this duplex and And I, and I did the math and I thought, oh my gosh, all right, I don't have any money. I'm getting back on my feet to try to make income. But if I can do, if I can buy this property and then I can get the front unit to pay for our unit, it will cover almost the whole mortgage. And so I don't have to, this will give me a chance to get back on my feet. And what I did is I just sent a letter. I sent out a bunch of letters to a bunch of duplex owners. I had this one in mind and um sent a letter and then i went to knock on the door i kind of played the money the mom card i had my two kids with me and said how much we'd love to live there and and you know um they happen to live next door in this one and we'd take care of it and you know we want to be their neighbors and i and um there's my situation and and i bought that house with no money down duplex did seller financing owner financing did a balloon i think in is 24 months or i think it's 24 months only two years balloon and told him my whole history had written had people friends and my manager write references and do all the things and i literally bought my first property that i still own today by the way that's worth i can it's worth ridiculous amount of money and cash flow is a ridiculous amount of cash flow and is totally paid off today but that was my first investment i bought it single mom not a dime in the bank account barely had an income and bought it zero money down and you know knew that i had to figure out a way to pay it off in 2 years and get traditional financing and i did so i just share that story that that you know sometimes our own mindset or beliefs are the limitation to getting started and you know when we just under, understand the fundamentals and willing to just be creative you can get into real estate like and i did with zero down it's possible.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely true. But you did, you, you knocked on the doors, you sent the letters, right? You didn't just think, oh, I'm just going to go. I, I don't know. I, that's the secret, I think, right? Is that you have to be, you have to put the work in if you're going to be creative. You reminded me of a couple of things while you were talking. One of them is uh, somebody that I interviewed for my book, Tom Trong. He, his mom, when she first, when they first moved here from the Philippines, she decided that she didn't want to be a renter. And she literally went door to door to friends, to neighbors, to anybody she knew getting like $300 from this one, hundred, you know, hundred from this, and just put all this money together to use for the down payment on their first three family property. And it's just necessity, but it's, it's hard work. But you felt, do you feel like that? you wouldn't, you didn't do it before. And you probably may never have done it if you didn't have that pressure. and yeah, that knowing. Pressure definitely
0: was part of it. And because at that point, like it's almost, I didn't have an option. Like I was just, I was going to knock on every door and be told a thousand times, told no a thousand times. And, but I'd read it was possible other people had done it. I could do it too. But, but yeah, like it, it did take work and creativity and hard work and creativity pays off probably nine out of 10 times. And, you know, and my experience.
1: And then after that one, were you just kind of hooked and like, wow, look, it's possible. I can do it. Yay. And then.
0: Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I I did that one more, like you said, out of more necessity that trying to get just doing the math and I need to be an investor and I could basically live rent free to get myself back on my feet. And, and it did, it did exactly that, you know, it, it worked. And you know, ultimately then I moved out of that, I brought the next property. I made it a goal to buy a piece of real estate every two years. So that was my goal. Not that I hit that, but that was my goal. Yeah. You know I, know, I probably need to save a certain amount of money and be looking for the right deals, but but that initially wasn't what it was. And so in the way I did that personally, now I wouldn't necessarily say this is a strategy, but what I did is I would I would jump properties. So I would, that duplex, I moved out of that, then I bought the next property. When I was selling real estate and even buying real estate, I'd always teach this. I'd even say this to my customers is that my clients is, I like to look at, always like to look through the lens of this is an investment property. Because even though I was going to be living in that next one as a primary residence, I was still buying it through the eyes of investor, meaning if I stayed here two to three years, could I make this amount of money? Could I cash flow it? And so the type of property I would buy next to live in was something that equally I wanted to live in, but two, that hit certain criteria that I could turn around and invest it. So that's what I did for probably the first five years is that I would you know that duplex I rented the second unit held on to that bought the second the that I guess kind of third unit the third door lived in that for two years did some fix up did some elbow grease while we lived there made it really pretty and nice enjoyed living in it and then got that to the place and then it's like oh and and I start and I as I was growing my money and my business and different things so I had a lot more money too is so then it, I got onto a bigger house, and then I got the bigger house that we could live in. But then it had a back unit that I could rent out. So and I bought. It, I was looking for a property where I could have that other cash flow and I could rent that out. And this is even before Airbnb, but I was doing a little bit of short term rentals or do different things. But then that back property helped pay a part of the mortgage of that bigger mortgage from that. So again, just being very strategic of how can I create cash flow into all of these properties, even though I was living there. So I guess I did that about five, four, four times. And then I'd had a lot of cash and cash flow, And then I started getting into buying properties and I'd flip some and I'd buy other properties, bought commercial properties, sold those, pay off the debt of other properties. And, and so I just ultimately, but I think the the moral of that story is it's a long-term plan. Like it, I had a long-term strategy and I can't say it went exactly according to that strategy, but I started with that in mind and it ended up, working out so much better than even my my kind of what i could dream up but it's that intentionality of knowing i wanted to have a certain net worth worth of properties with a certain amount of cash flow is probably going to take me 10 15 years to do that um but that's okay that's i was strategic about it and now at this you know stage and age i my i have a really nice portfolio of real estate it's all paid off it pays very handsomely in the terms of cash flow and and, you know, but being strategic, real estate's allowed me to own a really, like I said, nice portfolio and kind of an enterprise of properties that's fully debt played and um, debt free and really, like I said, handsome cash flow. But it took it took two decades of uh, and it just grows over time. So I think that's it. like there's no, I think so much the way real estate's sold, like it's this kind of quick fix, passive income and easy money and, Everybody should do it, and you know I think everybody should do it. But I, I lost a lot of money in the meantime. I mean, I made some bad choices in there. It's not like every single one was a win. I mean, I made a couple bad choices, and and I learned about depreciation and paying taxes when you sell a property. I got hit by some naivete. Just maybe um, some. So you learn a lot on the way. But ultimately, it all played out. But but yeah, like there were some six figure losses in there over those couple decades too. But that's built him. So that's where it started. That's where it's wound up. And, and I'll just kind of close that out by saying, I think real estate is such a, a great way to build wealth. Every one of us can do it. I love women to be owners of real estate and have the minds of investors and building kind of that, inner, that portfolio enterprise and to really use real estate to build our, wealth, our net worth and our wealth and to, yeah. to be owners.
1: And it's perfect what you said, right? It wasn't like you started off and then you just had one win right after another, because we all, I mean, not all of us, but I think many of us <laughs> who've been in the business for any amount of time, there have been some things that haven't worked and it takes a while to figure out market cycles and to figure out the different, like you said, tax ramifications. Oh, I'm going to sell this place and I have to recapture all this depreciation and now I'm going to get slammed with taxes. And what's that about? And they're just things that unless you have somebody sitting next to you, telling you each step of the way, what's going to happen or what the best thing is to do, we're just going to make those mistakes. And it doesn't mean you suck at it. It doesn't mean you just don't have a talent for real estate investing, right? It just means, okay, learn that. Yeah,
0: there's definitely, you know, you, you learn through experience and, you know, there's a little bit of nuances that you figure out along the way, but don't let it deter. I mean, I don't, I know a lot of real estate investors at this you know, stage of life based on what I do, and I haven't met one yet that doesn't have a horror story two of two of how they've lost a bunch of money in real estate, but they're all rich and doing very well through their real estate endeavors. But yeah, you don't go into it thinking it's just going to be you know, 100% home
1: run. And unfortunately, you're right. A lot of the pundits who talk about real estate investing But a lot of them, if you notice, they're very young and they've never lived through a market correction. (laughs) So they just think, oh, you just do this and then you sell it and you make lots of money. Like, well, yeah, that was the case from like 2008 on to today. But unfortunately, we're getting to the end of those times.
0: You know, the way it's spoken, it's like this, this, I don't know, um, magic pill or something. It, it drives me crazy the way it's spoken out there. And and it's just to understand too, there's a lot of marketers out there that sell programs and sell things that are really designed to take your money. It doesn't mean that it's truth what they're selling. There's a lot to learn and uh, that, but it's not like you take a course and you're gonna have this $10,000 a month passive income and your life is gravy. It's to understand too, when, you, when it's a long-term plan and it, you're kind of listening to what, Christina and I are talking about, it's like, oh, there will be some ups and downs and some things, but you just stay true to the course and, and have that long-term strategy. If you don't have a long-term strategy, you're not going to have wealth. You're probably going to lose your ass if it's, it's, if it's a right now attitude or, you know, I'm going to make all my money and retire in two years. Can't tell you how many stories like people have really done that. Like they thought they could retire in two years because they bought, I don't know, and 2018 or 2019 and went through COVID, and then all of a sudden things are crashing maybe for the first time ever so you feel rich until you're not rich anymore and that happens a lot of time because of market corrections it reminds me um it's funny i was talking just the other day to um it's actually a coaching session and and i was that's what i do i do a lot of financial coaching and he was telling me a story he said yeah christina I thought i was rich because i sold my company and i sold my company for 20 million dollars and i thought yeehaw! i built this company i sold it i'm rich i'm I'm worth 20 million dollars but all that money was in stock and that's once i sold the company the company went down and so did the 20 million dollars because the new ownership just let that company go and so that was a big Mm -hmm. lesson that you can be rich one day and not rich the next day yeah. And so a lot of times people have been that way in real estate that they've ridden up the they find themselves rich. they've ridden up a cycle, but they've never been on a down cycle. and all of a sudden, those people that were pundits and talking about all the stuff that you don't hear them anymore. they're not around anymore. I've worked with a lot of developers to get their ass handed to them when market corrections. and they're very rich and all of a sudden they're filing for bankruptcy yeah. so i just say all this that again it's not just this straight linear line up there are a lot of curves, and you know you get good at building that in and building in the margin of market corrections sometimes my cash flow has gone up in what was it maybe 2020 2021 bless you my i mean my cash flow in austin texas it was Out of control. I mean, it was so much. People were just overpaying for houses. They were coming in and overpaying for rent. I mean, I couldn't even believe how much people were paying me in rental income. I mean, seriously, it was shocking. And I thought, well, this is great. The year after, though, it didn't stay up there. The market corrected and the rentals went, the rental rate, you know, it evened out to probably where it should have been all along. So that's just it. Like, if you get, you know, you, Again, that was nice, but then it corrected. And so part of the this is that you understand the market flows and the nuances and and you just again, you understand this is a long term strategy. And even now, like I still am working to finish out my strategy for probably the next five or six years, but I know my strategy of what I'm where I'm moving my money and what I'm trying to do to end up to ultimately where I want to be, yeah. and I think that's the takeaway is, is make it, it has to be strategic. You have to have a plan an idea, and there's a lot of learning and, you know, listening to this podcast and others help us hopefully learn and maybe not make some of the mistakes that some of us have others have made.
1: Well, and you're absolutely, the, the word that you're not using, and that I think people don't like to hear is this goals, you know, you have this goal setting, you know, what you want, you know, what you need you, be, to live the kind of life that you want to live basically it's, it's the characteristics of my life that I'm looking to duplicate. It's not like, oh, I want to own X pieces of real estate. Like I realized that I like new experiences. I like to learn new things. I like to talk to new people. I just like learning and, and just uh, that novelty, the excitement of going to a new place, for example, like travel definitely ticks that box for me because it's new people, it's new languages, it's, right? New food. There's some kind of thing about it that I wouldn't have experienced before. So knowing that that's, those are the characteristics of the life that I want to lead. Then you can say, is this thing that I'm thinking about doing, is that ultimately going to bring me to this place where I have these, these facets of my life that I know I love? Like, oh, hmm, it's going to be novel in the beginning, but then it's going to become mundane. I'm probably not going to want to do that because it's not ultimately going to get to because I almost think that that's like a high level, not even a goal, but like just like a high level um, quality of life type of realization. I guess. Yeah, Am I, I making any it, sense? Yeah. <laughs> I
0: think so I mean, I call it lifestyle architecture. One of my favorite books I uh, that I probably have a dozen books that have just been really life. I mean, I've read. I'm a reader. I've read thousands of books every money book, business book, philosophy. I mean, I've, I've been just a big consumer of, of books. And there's probably a dozen that just really have shaped me, shaped my thinking. And so one of those, was, I mean, we've all heard Napoleon Hill think and grow rich, and that's definitely in there. Yeah. But there's another book from Napoleon Hill that's called Outwitting the Devil. And this book, it's an interesting story because he wrote it clearly when he was alive. But it didn't get published because his family didn't want this book to get out to the public because it was so like radical in his way of thinking that they thought it would destroy the family reputation. So I think it didn't it didn't get published till maybe a decade or so ago, which was 80 years later or something. So, you know, um, so that's interesting enough, like, oh, what was he saying back then that the family was afraid that was going to ruin their reputation if that word got out? So such a great book, and it's really about him in a conversation with the devil, and it's very revealing. Love the book. But one of the the biggest concepts in the book that he touches a little bit about in Think and Grow Rich, but it's this idea of drifting. And it's just that, meaning there's this, I think he calls it the hypnotic rhythm, and it's just this rhythm of life that life is just going to carry you wherever life takes you. And you just drift along and you drift, hoping things will get better and drift, you know, complaining about the way things are and drift to being totally unsatisfied, but not doing the work and not creating your life in a way that keeps you from drifting. And we all drift, it's so easy because cultural drift. We just drift, we drift to comfortability. We drift to the culture of what everybody else is doing. Our bodies are kind of, they want homeostasis. They want the easiest thing, you know. That's why it's much easier to sit in the recliner than it is to get out to exercise. But but that's the thing, drifting. So to not drift, there's something, the word that I've given it is life architecture, which means it's just where we started. It starts with asking this question, what is my good life? How much travel is it? Um, what type of, where do I live? What type of home do I live in? What do I do day to day? What really is meaningful and important? Does it, does it matter if I have a Mercedes or does it matter if I'm able to take my kids to Disneyland? You know, like it depends and it's different for everybody. There's no right or wrong or judgment, right. whatever it is, but that's called lifestyle architecture. Then again, it's de- determining how much money it costs to live that life. And then when we determine there, then like I said, there's these three buckets of money. And the one bucket of money is that middle piece. How much does it cost to live my life? Then the second and that and we have to manage our household and all of our finances the second bucket or category of money is earnings like what do I give out in the world what do I contribute that is value that I give and what I receive back is a thank you in the form of money. So what money is when we get paid it's a thank you yeah. but that's a different mindset like it's that if I go if I work for a, a company, and let's say that I am a salesperson and I produce sales for this company. The company makes revenue because I, and let's say I invested, I've taken a lot of sales classes and programs and workshops and honed my sales skills, invested in myself. I've done thousands of no's. They gave me the character and the thick skin to be a good salesperson. I've done a lot of personal work and and self-worth, all the things I've invested in myself. And now I'm a really good skilled salesperson and I go sell for this company and they make millions of dollars based on my, my sales. Now the company pays me for that. That's a form of thank you. It's like, hey, thank you for contributing to the organization. We've made millions and we're paying you a compensation for you bringing us those millions. So that's what compensation is. Thank you for investing in yourself and putting thousands of hours into developing your skills, blah, blah, blah. So that's the earnings category. So that's what we're doing. And if we're going to earn more money in the working world as a business owner, which I am, and that's who I usually work with and teach or entrepreneurs and business owners. But we do that with the value of our offers or our business, or we make money through a corporation, whatever it is, but that's our earnings. Now our earnings, the more value we offer in the world, the more money we can make, which means the more money we can spend on our household. So higher the income, the more quality of life, the more we can spend. But the third category is financial freedom. And financial freedom is not based on our skill in the marketplace that we get compensated for. What financial freedom is, is based on asset value. So that means if we're ever going to be financially free, we have to put our money to work and invest it in places where it's going to produce non-working cash flow in the future, passive income or that. that. Um, and so what financial freedom is, it means enough from our assets cover the cost of our lifestyle. So if I was earning $100,000, my lifestyle is $100,000, my now assets produce $100,000, I don't have to go work and sell houses anymore. So that's what we're doing is we're working over our working career is to make enough money that allows us to be able to live a good quality of life while having that extra that we can invest. In our case, we're talking about investing in real estate. So it's that financial investment that we're doing over a year to year basis that builds that portfolio. So what you're saying then is I'd like to say like, how much is enough today in the future that in this whole money equation, I'm earning, spending, saving, investing enough that's going to cover the totality of my life so that I don't drift. But like you said, to go back to what you're saying is we can't be lazy about it. We have to have these intentions. We have to have these goals. We have to work these numbers. We have to take control of our life that it's going to pull us outside of what Napoleon calls is that, is that drift. And Very few people do that work. There's no shiny penny. And if you're looking for the shiny penny, if you're looking for the one thing that's going to make you rich or get you out of your financial suffering or make it so you never have to work, work ever again, I don't know if there is such a thing that everyone, again, myself, all of my peers, all of my mentors, those that have been financially successful and not just financially successful, but those where i say some people have a lot of money and they're still miserable but those peers and mentors of mine that are financially abundant and have a healthy relationship with money good healthy happy fulfilling lives with good marriages and and good families healthy valued families and you know they feel good about themselves it didn't happen by accident i just like to caution anybody that's like really trying to find that one thing it's it's a it's life's work you know, and money investing—it's all this is life's work to to make enough, and and that that again can can pay for the quality of life that we want, but also sets us good up for for a good financial future.
1: But the good news is, it's fun and it's exciting and it's right—it's it's invigorating to do the work. It
0: is, and then and then there's there's it's invigorating to do the work, and then it's so satisfying when you get to experience the payoffs of the work. You know, there's compounding interests I think most of us understand, but everything compounds is that the hard work is so linear or so horizontal for such a long time. It feels like we aren't getting anywhere, but you stay true to the course. You stay true to the fundamentals. You do the work, you do all the things. And all of a sudden there's that tipping point and then everything just really starts to build on itself, you know, but those that are looking for that shortcut are really disillusioned, dissatisfied or wind up broke because there aren't the shortcuts. You just have to, you have to be willing to to live through the horizontal where there's not a lot of satisfaction coming back. You know? uh,
1: you're absolutely right. Christina, I love talking to you. I could talk to you all day, uh, but I think you probably have other things you have to do. And I'm sure that so do our listeners, but what is, uh, is there a question that you wish I would have asked you or anything that you want to make sure? I mean, you've given us so many Beautiful pieces of wisdom, but anything that you just want to make sure that people understand before we say goodbye.
0: I mean, i I think we've alluded to all of this is that you know, what I do is I have a money school and I teach money, mindset and money money skill set, like for for holistic finances so that we really understand our money, build a really healthy relationship with our money and know what to do with it very pragmatically. So that's what I do. Money influences every part of our lives. But what's kind of taught out there or spoken out there, it's not truthful. It's not real. Like we're getting a lot of half information, many times misinformation or just cultural mindset that has most of the country broke. Over 80% of our population is month to month, regardless of how much income. And the reason why is that money to have financial success. And what I mean by financial success means we're just money feels healthy. We know we have plenty. Uh, we're earning good incomes. We've got a good investment strategy. Like we feel pretty safe when it comes to money. And we feel abundant and abundance is growing. To get to that place, it's not common sense. And there's no shortcut. There's always the exception to the rule. Some people do win the lottery. That I mean that does factor in although they're typically broke within six years of winning the lottery but that aside is that money is a mindset and a skill set and there's two types of mindset slash skill sets There's what i call the income game which you're always focusing on trying to make more money and get that shortcut and and more this desperate attempt around money and thinking more money is going to solve all your problems and make you happy and so it's just always in that rat race and just Rat race, rat race, grind harder, push harder, look for the next shortcut, find the magic penny. That's that's what I call like the the income game, just where money owns you versus you kind of owning your money. The second mindset is what I call the wealth game. It's the wealth mindset. And the wealth mindset is it's not about hustle and grind, it's not about shortcuts, it's quite the opposite. It's about everything you and I were talking about. It's about knowing your numbers, being intentional, wanting to build wealth and net worth, giving a crap about keeping up with the Joneses in order to hit your numbers. Uh, knowing how much money is enough, knowing what values around money will keep you happy and are fulfilling. It's being truthful about money that that money does matter, and it does. There is a certain amount of it that that does get us out of suffering and out of crisis and these different things. And then just being very intentional and having a really healthy relationship where we're, you know, building the things towards the goals and the dreams and lifestyle, lifestyle architecture and staying out of drift, like we've talked about. So that's what I like to say, that that to build real financial abundance and prosperity, it doesn't happen by accident. Those of us that have that have built it and have it have done so with a lot of intention, with a lot of all the stuff that we've talked about on the program. So that's That's what I would um, leave with is develop a a wealth mindset and really desire, gain the desire to want to build real wealth, financial abundance, and real life prosperity that really matches up with kind of your goals, dreams, and desires of what it costs and what it feels like to live a good quality
1: life. Christina, how can people reach you? People who want to finally get hold of their financial selves and and get intentional about this?
0: You know, what I really invite everybody to do is to do this worksheet and it'll take about 10 minutes to fill out this worksheet. And it's what I call how much money is enough exercise. It's the best place to start. It doesn't really matter where you are in your financial journey. It will give you more clarity. The universe loves clarity and we need clarity with money if we really want to produce those dreams and outcomes that we want. So it's attached to a quiz that's a little financial literacy quiz, and it's wisemoneymethod.com slash quiz, wisemoneymethod.com slash quiz. The two-minute quiz will give you a little grade on where you um, are with your financial literacy. It's fun, two minutes, um, and it just, like I said, I'll give you a grade. Now, when I first created this quiz, I had an idea where it might wind up, but wasn't sure but now after thousands of people have taken this quiz the average score is 32%. Those that are taking this quiz are those that are listening to these types of podcasts. So hard workers out there so way failing. You know mm-hmm. the the goal is to get a 90 or you know at least 80 90 or 100% score because these are not difficult questions to answer. So that's I say start there and again it's not there's no judgment there it's just like take the quiz. Am I average? Better than average? But even 50%, 60%, 70%, that, that knowledge is probably not going to get us where we want. So it's just a nice little reflection tool. Take the quiz, have fun, see where you are. But what's more importantly, attach that quiz. When you take the quiz, uh, I send you a workbook and that workbook is really the first step to start getting in touch with your finances. And like I said, start there. And once you do that, then it will give you, point you in any in lots of different directions as to what the next step is. Maybe it's to call me, maybe it's to call Christine, maybe it's somebody totally different, but at least it'll give you some clarity of of the next step to move, to change directions.
1: Excellent. And those links, of course, will be in the show notes. Christina, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a real pleasure talking to you.
0: My pleasure. Thank
1: you so much. And thank you, listener, for listening. Who do you know who isn't already financially free? Because all those people, and I'm assuming you know more than one person in that category, all those people need to hear Christina speak. So please forward this episode to them. They will thank you and be sure to be here next week.